Welcome to On The Mark, a podcast series that explores the effect on various businesses of the COVID pandemic and how companies can survive and thrive during these difficult times and beyond. I am your host, Howard Mark Rubin, and this podcast series came about as a result of my realization that as a senior partner of the law firm of Getz Fitzpatrick, representing businesses as an advisor and corporate attorney for over 30 years, that the pandemic has permanently changed the questions clients have and the way business is being done. It has such a diverse effect, depending on the industry and the people who work in those industries, that I thought it was important to address what's the reality, what's the fiction, and what the future holds. This uh, series is sponsored by the Strategic Forum, which was sponsored, which was, I'm sorry, founded in New York in 1999 and expanded in 2004 to South Florida. It's an organization consisting of CEOs, entrepreneurs, and business leaders who believe in forming deep business and personal relationships based on mutual respect, trust, and continuing learning and intellectual enrichment. Every uh, series, every, every podcast of the series has one member of the strategic forum that's going to be a guest and uh, one prominent person from that particular industry. Today, we're talking about the future of business travel, and we're focusing particularly on the uh, South Florida area and the South Florida chapter. Uh, we have as uh, a guest today, first, uh, Bill Talbert, who is the president and CEO of the Greater Miami Convention and Visitors Bureau for the past 20 years and chief operating officer for the previous nine among his major accomplishments, Mr. Talbot assisted with the passage of the Travel Promotion Act of 2010 and has led efforts to win and subsequently host five Super Bowls, one of those I was at when Drew Brees won, and three international powwows. To ensure the future success of Miami's meeting business, he passionately championed, championed efforts to secure a $620 million renovation for the newly reimagined Miami Beach Convention Center and subsequently proved by voters to establish an adjacent headquarters hotel. Bruce Turkel, who is also a member of the Strategic Forum in the Florida chapter, is someone you've probably seen as he's a frequent guest on national news and appears regularly on Fox TV, CNN, CBS, MCNBC, CCTV, I guess Chinese television, and NPR. He's the author of five books, including All About Them, which was chosen as one of Forbes magazine's 10 best business books of the year and has helped create some of the world's most compelling brands, including in the travel industry, Discovery Networks and Sol Melia Hotels. He's also someone who has a great breadth of experience in building brands. Uh, Bruce, as new COVID virus cases soared or record highs around the U.S., many states are reimposing restrictions on daily life, not Florida. Republican Governor Ron DeSantis is sticking to one of the most persuasive approaches to the pandemic, allowing bars, restaurants, theaters, and theme parks to operate at full capacity. He has vowed the state would never again implement lockdowns. Local government's ability to enforce mass Mask mandates and other restrictions is constrained under an executive order he issued in September. Can tourism really come back without widespread inoculations, without a, a statewide mask mandate or lockdown? Is it possible 
that people are going to have the confidence to come back and vacation in Florida? You know, it's interesting. The governor has listened to people who have said that if you close things down, you close down business. At the same time, by not instituting those programs, he is not demonstrating to anyone out in the public that Florida is doing what it needs to do to protect not only our local populace, but also people who come to visit. More importantly, as you pointed out, he created an executive order that does not allow individual governments, local cities, townships, counties, and the like, to decide what's best for their people. And keep in mind, although uh, Bill Talbert and I and many others are very involved in the tourism industry in Florida, there's plenty of Florida businesses that are not part of the tourism industry, but DeSantis has decided that they are all going to follow one specific path. It's my belief that brands, and especially tourist brands, are not actually about the destinations, the hotels, or the attractions that they promote, but rather how people feel when they visit those places. And so the way I see it, there's an enormous emotional disconnect between a state that says we're not going to do anything to stop the pandemic which means we're not going to do anything to keep you safe. And at the same time, telling people, oh, you should come here because you will be safe. I think it's a very misguided policy. Bill, how do you uh, feel about that? How do you feel about the policy of not even allowing local governments? Because I know the mayor of uh, Miami would have liked and has had in the past expressed that he would like to have some mask uh, mandates and would like to have uh, some limitations. You know, you know, uh, Howard, I just got off a call, the first Zoom call with a uh, new mayor, uh, Miami-Dade County Mayor Levine uh, Cava and her chief medical officer, and uh, the mayors were all on. Uh, the mayor of the city of Miami is reaching out, out to the governor. I, I, you know what? I, I'm, I'm in, I'm looking at the long, long ball. I'm a long ball guy. Uh, the vaccine is is virtually here. It's here. It's here. The vaccine has always been the answer, and uh, they're going to start. I'm going to line up over at uh, Jackson Hospital tomorrow uh, to get get my shot. So the good, absolutely great news is there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There is a vaccine. There's more than one vaccine. And and interestingly enough, uh, effective 90 to 95 percent of the cases when the science says if you're 55 percent successful will let you use a vaccine so uh the best news ever is the vaccine is here now you know six months ago and this is uh day 253 uh since we've been in lockdown and our office is open uh in downtown miami and has been since uh, october 5th but the there's a light at the end of the tunnel and uh the call with the mayor today was about it's very simple wear your mask Wash your hands and social distance. So uh, we're, we're going to be we're going to be out of this sooner rather than later. But really, the the some of the great messaging is you know if there was ever a time to follow the rules, it's right now because the vaccine's right around the corner. My goodness, you want to go out and get sick, die, infect grandma, grandpa? It's uh, to follow the rules. And one of the things. I'm doing, my family's doing, my neighbors are doing. You know, we normally have 25 people at our house. Remember, Miami's kind of a hooky-feely family place, right, Bruce? 
Huggy feely is, is yes could be our uh, code word. And so we normally have 25 people at our house. We made a conscious decision to make that number two this year. My daughter and her husband two. And uh, in a lot of Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving, yeah, Thanksgiving. Uh, and that I find a lot of my colleagues are doing the same. And by the way, if we want to have a a robust Christmas Hanukkah holiday season. Let's do things right during Thanksgiving. So I see what I'm doing on Thanksgiving. It's about Christmas and about the holidays, Hanukkah. That's that's uh but we've got a vaccine, it's here, more than one carrier, and uh with any real side effects. So that's what I'm focusing in on. Let's say there's no rules, more people get sick and more people die. That's just uh, I guess that what what will happen. Uh but we know the great news is got a vaccine we got vaccines no real downside uh and you know it's going to be it is it's it's almost here here right now jackson memorial hospital uh our our large public hospital part of miami-dade county and carlos mcgoy its ceo uh was on the call but it's uh uh and you know interesting enough early on uh, the governor allowed south florida uh, understanding it's a big state. I'm from Jacksonville, uh, in the north part of the state, allowed South Florida to have stricter standards. And so so right now it's uh I'll give you an example. The governor has said that you could you could have full capacity at stadiums. Well Hard Rock Stadium, which is here in Miami Dade County, uh owned by Stephen Ross, and we had the Super Bowl there. We're gonna have the college football championship. You know, they have basically a twelve to 15,000 measure. They said, oh, no, we're not going to go to full capacity. That's not, that's not prudent right now. So they have voluntarily kept uh, the twelve to 15,000 uh, spectators uh, and, and done, done very well. But, you know, I'm, 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 not, I'm optimistic because there's a vaccine. End of, end of story. Let's just hang on for a few more days. Let's do the right things for a few more days. To protect ourselves, protect grandma, grandpa, uh, and you know the mask. Remember, is not about us; it's about everybody else. It's about well, everybody else. Well, Bill, I, I think a few more days is a little optimistic. I think everyone would agree that before it's widely distributed, it's going to be sometime at least in the spring. Uh, certainly not by Christmas. Uh, yes, it's true that we do have vaccines, but uh, we've got to get it in people's arms. And uh, there are a lot of people, according to a lot of polls, who don't want to take that vaccine. And that, so that is about issues. the nuttiest. That is about the nuttiest thing I've ever heard of to say when there's no indication that there is any kind of problem with the vaccine, which sometimes there is not not a whiff of of a problem. So that's a that's about the craziest thing that I've ever heard of. So, I mean, we've been at this for, what, eight months? And so we have a few few more months. And remember when this started, we said, there is no vaccine, there's no treatment, we don't know what we're gonna do. Uh, and here we are eight months or whatever later, and there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and it's a, pos it's a positive, absolutely, totally positive outcome. And, uh, you know, and and multiple vaccines, and uh, and by the way, I predict there's going to be more vaccines than we've heard of because 
you know, the smartest people in the world, as Bruce Turkel knows and talks about, it says about branding, have been working on this uh, for this entire time because there's trillions of dollars at stake. This is this is a global thing and a global product. So, uh, bravo. Okay. Well, I'd like to turn to something else that I think is a uh, maybe a, a greater threat to tourism long term than um, uh, than what we're facing with the pandemic. And uh, Bruce, I'd, I'd like you to to give me your opinion about this, and that's business travel. Uh, so many companies have found that they can replace in-person meetings and conventions with virtual meetings. Kind of, I'm worried that the genie might be out of the bottle, and companies. To the same extent, they're not going to travel uh, for large conventions when they can do it with a virtual convention. And they're not going to want to travel across the country to have an in-person meeting because uh, they can save so much money with the cost. Has the genie been out of the bottle? Is is business travel ever going to get to be what it was pre-pandemic? It was seems like it was an, it's something that was accelerating and just this pandemic has just made it... Um, accelerated at a faster pace. Bruce, what do you think of that? Howard, I think um, that there's an entirely different way of looking at it. Yes, I agree with you. People have discovered we can go on Zoom, we can go on WebEx, there's other ways we can meet. And that will take take away a lot of business travel. However, two things I think have happened that people did not count on. And for a market like Miami, which is extremely high end and high quality, In fact, I believe our meetings business is about to be even better. Let me tell you why. First of all, because business travel was always seen as a perk. I'm not talking about the road warrior who has to go to Deadfish, Montana, and then Clam Juice, Alabama to sell something on a very low end. And those people are going to be thrilled not to have to travel. But the folks who were looking as a perk of what they did going to Miami, going to um, San Francisco, going to Paris, that's only going to be accentuated because now it's going to take more money, more effort to do it. It's going to become even more special. Number two, I think what we have discovered is that we miss getting together. You know, you heard Bill say that we're a huggy feely kind of a town. Miami is on so many levels. That human connection is so critical to business. People do not choose what companies sell. They do not choose what people do. They choose who people are. We do business with people that we can say three things about. We know them, we like them, we trust them. And the only way you build that kind of relationship for the high-end travel that I'm talking about is by face-to-face. What's going to happen is once we get the all clear, when the vaccines are available, when the numbers are dropping, when the proper programs have been put into place, what you're going to find is that people are going to be more eager than ever to travel. Now, if I was selling a low-end destination, I would say to you, you're absolutely right, and I would look for something different to do with my tourism properties. But high-end, I think you're going to see this business come booming back. Bill, are you confident you're going to be able to fill that beautiful Miami Convention Center that uh, you were so instrumental in? Uh... Well, yeah, it's a reimagined. Uh, you know, we just we just proved uh, that face-to-face meetings work. On October 21st, uh, the Greater Miami Convention Visitors Bureau and, and Bruce is a, a close colleague of ours uh, had really the first face-to-face annual meeting of any convention bureau in the United States. We had, it was a hybrid, this word hybrid, hybrid. We had over 200 
people in the ballroom of the reimagined convention center, six foot table, six foot space, and then another 300 uh, on Zoom. So uh, everybody who was there was because they wanted to do. We served a lunch. Uh, nobody got sick. Uh, and that was October, October 21st, the first bureau to show that face-to-face -face meetings, hybrids work. Also, uh, and everything Bruce said is correct. You know, associations, uh, if, mo many associations, if they don't have a successful annual convention, and maybe others too, the, the association doesn't exist. It's the principal revenue for many associations. You know, and the convention center is for association business. It's for high-end. We used it as the media center uh, for the Super Bowl. But I would agree with Bruce. Think things are going to be they're going to be different. In the same way, I'm I'm old enough to remember when you when you got on an airplane, you walked out to the gate and you got on. Yeah, you guys don't remember that. Oh, I remember. Uh, you do? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I do too, Bill. But and so when uh, I guess there was hijacking and all this stuff, and then you put up all these gates and all this security, and then people says. People aren't going to travel again. They're just not going to travel. We're traveling different. And we had 9-11. You know, we're, you know, we were fed mostly by, by air service. So I said, you know, Miami is, is uh, ground zero for 9-11. We said people aren't going to fly again. And lo and behold, people fly again. It's different. It is all different. So just in the same way, the airplanes are different. Cruise lines are going to be different. Meetings are going to be different. But there's still that core of stuff. Bruce is right. It's this human interaction. I think we all, you know, I, would, I was cooped up, you know, in Coconut Grove, not a bad place in my house. But you get this cabin fever. You just, you just go, you go crazy. And, and, and you, you read all this stuff. It's not only the physical stress, the emotional distress. And so it, the human being, human beings are not made to stay in one place. They're just not. And I don't care what you're connected to. You know, I've been on five Zooms at one time. I got Zoom hysteria. And so it's about as we start to get out, and I started to get out, and I'm kind of in a little vulnerable group. I'm a little above some age, and I have some underlying stuff. So I'm careful. I wear I wear uh, the mask, but it's a... Uh, it's I'm um, confident with what Bruce says it's going to come back. It's going to be different. And then maybe in some ways it'll be better. Hmm. Uh, Bruce, you're a branding maven. Um, and I'm looking at things like uh, cruise ships and hotels who have branded themselves in the past as being super luxury or having great amenities uh, are hotels and cruise ships going to have to start branding themselves as being the safest, the most sanitary? Is is even after we have this vaccine? Is is the sanitariness of the of the uh, the hotel or the cruise ship is that going to be one of the things that people are going to put first, and companies are going to have to uh, put first in their branding? The people, the companies that put that first are the companies that are gonna go out of business first. Here is a rule that's critical to understand. It's a little confusing, but it makes perfect sense, which is you cannot 
tell people why they shouldn't not come. Let me say that again. You should not tell people why they shouldn't not come. You can't say, do business with us because we're cleaner, because we're safer, because we are more sanitary, because all that makes people say is, why? Why am I worried about that? I thought you'd have that well in hand. Sanitation practices, cleanliness practices, healthcare practices are critical, but they are RTBs. RTB stands for reasons to believe. So you need to entice me as a high-end customer based on how going on your cruise line, staying at your hotel, visiting your destination is going to make you a better person, smarter, more worldly, more erudite, more cultured, have a better marriage, be thinner if you're a spa, whatever it is, that's what attracts me. Then under the RTBs, the reasons to believe, you tell me the reasons why I can feel safe and comfortable. But if you lead with the reasons why I can feel safe and comfortable, you will not get me to go in the first place. It seems so obvious to say we're clean, we're safe, we're sanitary, but all that will do is chase away customers. They don't travel because you're clean. They don't travel because you're safe. That's no different, by the way, than a very high-end romantic restaurant saying to you, Howard, you should bring your wife to our restaurant for dinner because we have the cleanest plates in town. It just does not sell high-end products or services. Again, it's critical that you do it right, but please do not lead with it. An interesting spin, Bruce. Howard, uh, Howard let, me, yeah. uh, let, me, uh, let me address that and sure. go back in history. Years ago, uh, Bruce Turkel taught us the following. When, when Miami, Greater Miami, had safety issues, safety issues, and those safety issues come and go on, in, around the world. But when we had safety issues... And then things got better, and we'd say, well, we need to tell the world that we're safer now. Bruce says, no, 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 you don't do that. What, what Bruce recommended and what we did, and it, and it was the right thing, we showed families, we showed people outside, we showed people on the streets, we showed people doing things. That was, that was how we message out we're safe. Right, Bruce? Absolutely. Remember that? I do. Thank you for remembering. I remember it very well. And it worked. It was the right thing to do because the tendency is let's tell them that we're, we're, we're safe now. No, no, no. Just what Bruce said. That's a mistake. <laughs> Let me go to some, uh, a different issue. How important do you think it is that there be a new stimulus package to uh, – to keep uh, the hospitality industry going. There are so many people, particularly lower income people who worked in, in these industries. Uh, and and they're, you know, while some of the economy, the stock market's doing great, these people are out of work. And we're talking about tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people uh, throughout the country. Uh, how important is a stimulus package and what would you like to see uh, the government do regarding uh, stimulus uh, until we get the vaccine and until hotels and, and uh, airlines and um, uh, cruise lines can get back to business. Uh, Bruce, what, did, what do you think should be done? Actually, if you don't mind, I'm going to defer to Bill because he is the okay. governmental liaison expert. So okay. I'm going to let him answer this. Okay. Bill? Well, I think uh, definitely there needs to be another stimulus package. Uh, I'm, I'm frankly shocked that we've gone this long. I guess I shouldn't be shocked at any that we've gone this long. I mean, there are 
tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who were working and maybe have been out of work for months and months and months. And I think they're, they're coming to the end of the line. Uh, and so there needs to be direct assistance to people. We know this is not going to be longer, longer. We got that vaccine coming. So for whether it is six months, nine months uh, to get people and small businesses, you know, we're, well, there's a lot of talk about big companies and all that. Uh, our industry is made up of a lot of small businesses, small businesses, and there many are out of business. Many are many are just hanging on, and so there definitely needs to be uh, another stimulus package sooner rather than later with direct assistance to people. And and by the way, this first cares package has, has worked pretty well here in Miami-Dade County. You know, the county is in, we were fortunate enough, uh, and uh, Mayor uh, Kava Levine uh, uh, co-sponsored uh, a CARES uh, allocation to the Bureau, uh, where, you know, we're a 501c6 uh, for a, a, a marketing program, which is underway now called Miami Land. And so you need to not only help the, at the end of the day, some of this ultimately is going to be about getting customers. So we've got the businesses. The businesses aren't doing well because there's no customers. So at the, at the, we need to focus in on how to get customers. So that's this whole effort that uh, we've been involved with in, in D.C. about uh, providing assistance to 501C6s, the DMOs, destination marketing, EDOs, economic development, because we've got to get customers when, when it's right and it's getting close to being right. What do you think of that, Bruce? Hmm. Thank you. I'm glad you answered. You made me sound smart by turning it over to you. <laughs> uh, Bruce, I, I, I have a question for you that uh, that's yes, always sir. bothered me. I, I don't understand how a public health disaster uh, like this pandemic became such a political hot potato. How it became that wearing a mask uh, was a political statement and not wearing a mask was a political statement. Uh, can you explain to me why you think that happened and what we can do about that so that we can all get back uh, until we get the vaccine safer? Uh, well, sure. I think, though, the question, um, I think you do understand how it happened. I think what you don't understand or you, what you're asking why is it happened. Why, yeah. it happened. <laughs> why it happened. Exactly. And, and why it happened, quite simply, is because we our system has devolved to the point where we are now two polar opposites vying for power and when that happens the greater good <coughs> pardon me the greater good is not what one of our parties was focused on the one that was in power instead what our party was the party was focused on was keeping power and in order to do that there were things that they could do to get people riled up remember when people are riled up when they're fighting about a big issue they don't do the common sense thing so for example in south dakota you had a governor who not only didn't allow what we would call simple common sense, like wearing masks, like being socially distant, but instead mandated that A, the populace should not do it, and B, if you did do it, it was violation of your civil rights. Now, I'll ask you a question. If someone says to you, I don't wear a mask because they're either inconvenient or uncomfortable, the, the question I would ask them is, really, you find that uncomfortable? How do you feel about being intubated? 
because that's a heck of a lot more uncomfortable than wearing a mask. And if for any reason people think that wearing a mask is a violation or being told to wear a mask is a violation of their civil rights, then why isn't being told to wear a seatbelt a violation of their civil rights or a motorcycle helmet? And if in fact, if they say it is, then let me ask you another question. Why is it that wearing pants is not considered a violation of your civil rights? Yet we do it because it's better for the greater good. And what happened was, uh, political parties used marketing technique and branding technique, I'm sorry to say since I'm involved in that, in order not to help people, but to help themselves, create a dichotomy of opinion that established power structure. It's quite simple. It's offensive, I think, and it's horribly disappointing, but it's very simple to understand. Hmm. And this is a uh, actually, it's a, this is going to be a final question because the time has really flown and we're almost at the end of the podcast. What lessons can be learned from how we handled this uh, pandemic? What what do you think we learned that if something like this happens again, that we would be able to handle it in a, a more efficient and a, and a, a better way? Uh, Bill, what do you think about that? What do you think? Yeah, we I think this? this is real, real simple. I think, uh, I mean, just like when we go to war, when we go to war, we have a common enemy. And we have these things. It should have been a common enemy. It did not become a common enemy. So we have to rally and identify that as the enemy. And by the way, uh, you know, back during the war, you had rations, you know, the things you couldn't do, you couldn't. And so we have to decide as a country and as a people, but just like in a war, it's the same concept that we need to rally and follow, in this case, the science, and the science evolved in what we need to do. Some of it, people, uh, is, is unpleasant. Uh, some, I mean, I've, I'm, I'm, you know, I carry the mask around my neck, but it's, uh, we need to have a, a, a national consciousness, just like in a war. This is a war, the same techniques, the same goals, and we have to defeat the enemy. In this case, it's just this virus. And so we did not have a national plan or a national effort to defeat this enemy. It was all over the roads, different messaging. And Bruce is the branding guy. You, you can't remember um, during the war, everybody, everybody knew what the enemy was. We got to have everybody know what the enemy is and do things maybe we don't want to do or unpleasant to do, but that's how we win. Bruce, what do you think of that? Well, it's interesting. Bill used the exact analogy that I would have used. Um, I wasn't alive during World War II, but from what I've read, no one saw it as a violation of their civil rights not to be able to allowed to turn their headlights on when they were fear of bombing raids. No one saw it as a violation of their civil rights to have to turn in aluminum foil or not to be able to buy records because the material that records, you know, uh, musical recordings were made from were used in the war effort. Instead, it was seen as everybody's duty to pull together to face one common enemy. And in fact, what happened during this, uh, this pandemic, which by the death toll is now the greatest calamity that we have ever faced in this country. We had never lost a quarter of a million people to any specific evil until this one. However, our uh, leadership did not have us all fighting against the common enemy. They had us fighting against each other. And then things as ridiculous as wearing a mask is a political statement of, of, uh, 
of being told what to do or a violation of civil rights War II, was yeah, actually exactly. Go ahead. Were, a quarter, were a quarter of a million people? Not, not, not even close. There was no, there's been nothing like this. Vietnam was 53,000 people, um, which is an awful lot of people if your people were one of them. Nothing has happened like this. And when we could have stepped up to the plate, when we could have risen to the occasion, when we could have had leadership do what we expect American leadership to do, which is to guide us to the promised land, to betterment of everybody, they completely abdicated responsibility in order to maintain power. Next time, Amen. what we have to do is look to the common good. Amen, brother. Amen, brother. Bruce, I think you should run for governor. I think you should be running for governor. Let's get rid of DeSantis and replace him with Bruce. <laughs> There's not a chance. I think of that's that. what we need oh, to do. Thank you. <laughs> Is there a uh, I want to thank everyone. I want to thank everyone for listening to this podcast. Uh, I hope you found it informative. I certainly did. If you wish any further information, please contact uh, Karen Webster at Karen at the Strategic Forum.com. Uh, if you want any further information or uh, you want to convey anything to the to the guests, uh, I want to thank you for uh, participating, both uh, Bill and Bruce. And uh, I hope that uh, that vaccine is going to be coming and as effective as uh, we all hope it will be. Thank you very much.